Welcome to Waxful episode 62. I'm your host Wax here as always with my co-host Ads. Also, Richard Keith here doing whatever it is that he does. Ads, how are you doing today? I'm feeling victorious. Because I, I feel Victorian like Victorian government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 I, no, I feel no, like sorry. this is the most Australian spirit I've ever felt in my life, really. Like we've we won against the big bad anti-vaxxers. That's that's my feeling. We've won a we've won a great victory in a battle, in a in a greater war in the hemisphere of society. I don't know. That's All right. what I feel. So you're so we're talking about the Djokovic saga, which finally concluded last week. Unless on Sunday. <laughs> Unless WWE scripting comes in and he comes into the final. Anyways, uh yeah, it finally concluded. Like we said, we would immediately be put out of re- uh current relevancy because we recorded and then like Maybe five, six hours later, it, the judges announced the preliminary results. And then later on, on, on Monday, they announced the full results of the uh, trial. And, you know, long story short, Djokovic lost his uh, case and was deported from Australia and will not be competing in the Australian Open. So, therefore, we won. I'm using the collective we. The, yeah, the royal we. Yeah, the okay. real week, <laughs> you know. All right. So this case has obviously. I don't know why. Why is it? Why was it of such interest to you in particular? Is it because that your your family has some anti vaxxing thing and it just like frustrates you a little bit? I, I think we yeah, talk about that. It's a Can we talk bit about, about that? that. Is it is it okay to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um. I think uh, in general, I think. I, no, I don't have the stats to back it up because. Except for Victoria, they do not release in in New South Wales. They don't release uh, vaccination rates by you know ethnic background, um, mm-hmm. but there there is a strong I would say a strong um, not maybe not anti vax but vaccine hesitancy. Although there is a strong yeah. anti vax element um, in the Lebanese community, and I I just find it frustrating when people. Like point to these kind of people, and I, I think in general, I just don't think uh, rich people or people in power should be given any any um, different treatment from other people. But in saying that, and I, I do want to mention that I think it's it's ironic, and I I don't like fully support this when I know the fact that the Australian government makes it mandatory to be vaccinated in several industries, but not their own. You don't have to be vaccinated to go to work. Yeah, in the parliament, and I think that's a big double standard when they've uh, mandated on so many other industries. Hmm. So, so I stopped uh, doing like really deep digging into this because it got you know the case concluded. the uh, The court said, "No, nah, you can't come in. It's over." But it did leave a few things that I was looking up, and I, I sort of trailed off on. So maybe you could clarify them for me. Yeah. Okay, so ads. So. There was never, from my understanding, there was never any exemption that allowed you to, for uh, being for having had COVID. There, there was there, it that never existed, right? There was never such a thing as a prior, uh, prior whatever COVID exemption. So it's, I, I did actually research this as well, and I looked it up. And unless you are an Australian citizen, there is no exemption for not being vaccinated to come into Australia. But it, it makes it unclear, and I, I didn't like go into a Wayback Machine or website or whatever to check what it was before vaccines were, you know, ubiquitous in Australia to check how it was before that. But as far as at this current moment or in the current moment of vaccines being ubiquitous in Australia and a vast majority of Australians have been having that, been 
having been vaccinated. It appears as though there was no exemption, although the exemption listing is kind of vague and leaves a lot of power to the Australian government or the Australian Immigration Office to to do things. Well, well, that's the key, though. But that's that's sort of the key to like why this is so confusing to me. So there actually is some arbitrary leeway because like so basically like so the question I have is uh, from my research, it, it looks like one of two things. Uh, one thing that could happen was that there is no exemption, but there was miscommunication between the Australian government and the Victorian government and the uh, tournament organizers. And they mistakenly told Djokovic that he could get an exemption by having had previously been affected. And he came, he came to Australia on that. And then when he arrived, the border officials who had not been in on that mistake were like, no, there's, there's no such thing. Like, you can't come in. So that's one interpretation from the facts I know. The other possibility, based on what you just told me now, where there is some arbitrary leeway for the government to give out these exemptions based on you know some circumstances, is that uh, they did give him a special exemption based on their judgment, but they changed their minds because of that backlash. And that would be much more controversial. But I, I, so, so which one is it? It's hard to tell because as far uh, as I can, it's, it's, it's hard to tell because the government itself, like a, a lot of government papers are written in, in such a way that it gives them, um, you know, leeway to do basically whatever they want, right? Like that's, that's the reason they write them like that. And when I was reading it, I should have kept it open. Uh, yeah. There was essentially no mention of having had COVID in the past six months. There was no mention of that on any government website that I could find. It doesn't appear to exist, but there were were mentions of things like within uh, in the national interest to allow them in. Um, there were like things like 72-hour visas for people who aren't vaccinated who would be allowed in, say you were like on a connecting flight or something like that, for pilots mm-hmm. and aircraft crew was another one. And there was also a bunch of um, job uh, job programs that are run like with Pacific Island uh, countries um, and New Zealand that also allowed allowed you in without vaccination. Um, so th- those existed, but there wasn't one that said, okay, you know, if you've had COVID in the past, say, three months or six months or whatever it happens to be, then you'll be allowed in if you apply for an exemption. The essential uh, Australian government policy was if you are not an Australian citizen, you must apply for a travel exe- uh, travel exemption and there are all of these ways where you can get in none of them include the terminology of having had had covid before okay but there was some language about medical exemptions in general and that's why i think yeah, yeah. the first couple of people got in because it's it might have been a thing oh you have a medical exemption if they did that whole um doctors you know doing what do they what do they say that that it was um that it was anonymous right if they had that and they said that oh we just have a medical exemption the first three people might have gotten in because they're not as big of anti uh, at least not um as public on their anti-vax status as someone like Djokovic and i think that's mm-hmm. why they got in purely off the fact that it was a medical exemption and maybe the border police officer just didn't look into what the exemption actually was for but i i don't know okay. that that's completely you know speculatory yeah because that's like the entire crux of the issue because if there was never such an exemption then this is very clear cut it's just a really embarrassing miscommunication between you know the federal government and the tennis organizers and then it's just embarrassing you just you just tell Jokovic, hey we fucked up we sent you the wrong information you got to go back now but well, if the- it was actually a, if it was actually a case where it was given to him 
legally at, at a certain point in time, but then changed arbitrarily, then like I would actually have to say like Jokovic was in the right as much as I hate it. But if, if that was the case, like I, I'd be more concerned to, uh, I'm more inclined to sign with him. Well, well, the government has always made it clear that they had, and they have, this is, uh, this is you know, it's true that the, the documents already exist, that they had, were in contact with Tennis Australian, Australian organizers and they told them that, and this was in either early, late November or early December, that um, having had COVID in the past six months would not be an acceptable, um, acceptable reason. And then it seems, as far as far as we can tell, and this is the only line that's been put up, the the Oz Open organizers then went to the Victorian government and asked them, and the Victorian government, despite having really no, well, see, the Victorian government only has. Uh, responsibility towards actually allowing them to compete in Victoria. They don't actually have any control over allowing somebody into the country, which is a different part of government, and that's the federal government. And that's the line the Victorian government have always said, that they told the Tennis Australia that they would allow them to compete under those rules. But they never said they would allow them into the country because that's not the Victorian government's, um, prog- you know, that's not their, that's not their uh, reasoning. Okay. That's not for them to decide. Okay. But if that was the case, I feel like then that's the scenario where it's actually pretty clear cut, and I don't understand why there's such a controversy because it can just be explained by, "Hey, Djokovic, you were misinformed by the local organizers. Like that was not actually a federal policy. We're like really sorry that we that they fucked up with your communication, but that's just the law. Like I don't know why like it had, it it spiraled out of control like that, but you no, know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I think the final thing to mention is if, if for people who didn't really follow because. If they just followed the news, hey, Djokovic is out, um, then that's all they went through. On Monday, they did release the full reasoning, and they specifically said that it was not unreasonable with the knowledge uh, that people have that's publicly available that Djokovic being in the country would, you know, um, spark anti-vax sentiments. And it was also not unreasonable that as a public figure, despite, you know, having no medical qualifications or, you know, like really campaigning for it, he wouldn't be able to spark that. And they also said that it was not un- unreasonable. And the, the essential crux yeah. of the argument there by the by the uh, federal courts was not that the decision was right. The The decision was whether the uh, immigration had, minister had the authority. Had the, had the authority. Right. Yeah. So right. That's something right. to make clear. So essentially, that's the that's the case. Anyways, yeah. Australian Open's I, I on just, right now. Yeah. Was, I was watching... Um, who was I watching yesterday? I was watching Nick Kyrgios versus Medvedev. Fun, fun, fun game. I can watch the Oz Open with a clear conscience now. Okay, I'm happy. I still need. I still need more explaining, like the legalese of this, of like why it had to go to this arbitrary minister's judgment. Because I, it it did seem to me from what I read, like either you had this policy in place or not. And if it if this policy was in place, then it's pretty clear cut. Like what's there to, to sue people about and have appeals about? So. That's it's clearly uh, like just I think I think shit. the other thing from the original court case was the fact that the Australian government letter uh, the Australian government communication wasn't enough. It wasn't a it's not a law, right? None of this is a law. So that's I mean, why it wasn't the, enough. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. So it's not wasn't a lot of time. Oh, there's also the fact that the border police like they treated him like unpoorly and illegally. Like that's actually true. Unfairly. Like, he was yeah. a, it's he true, was actually treated yeah. Yeah. That is actually true. So guess what the border police treat me unfairly every time i go to a 
learn on the airport, but I don't have the money or, or necessary willpower to go to port every single time I get chosen for random bomb checking. But anyways, I digress. Any- anyway, what do you want to talk about first today? Um, I would like to talk about the other big news story that's taken the world by storm because, you know, you can't have just uh, Djokovic all the time. Um, who knows, we might, we, we might be able to stretch this for another three episodes, just like any good anime that's uh, reaching the manga. Right. Um, it's Microsoft has acquired Activision Blizzard. Yep, for a whopping sum. Is it a whopping sum? So it's, it's around 70 billion. I have no idea how much a game company is supposed to cost. Um, they bought a much smaller game company. I think it was Bethesda for like 8 billion. How much did they buy Bethesda for? Microsoft I'm just game. saying that. I'm just saying, like Microsoft, Activision Blizzard's their market cap was around sixty-three billion. So didn't they just pay like slightly above market price for them? Like that's what it seemed like yes. to me. But then again, so, yeah. then again, I don't know how corporate finance works. So I don't know if pay, if paying market cap is like fair money or like you're paying too much, pay too little. I have no idea how that shit works. Um, let's check before this. Uh, before the whole let's not, let's, Microsoft let's buying, they they were sixty-five dollars per share. And Microsoft yeah. paid ninety dollars per share or something like that. No new. Okay, so, they, so it was like a thirty-three percent right. roughly right. increase on the share. Bit less. 30%. Cool, cool, cool. All of our hedge fund manager and iBanker uh, listeners can tell us whether that's like a normal buyout price. Yeah, should have got sheep on this. <laughs> um, well, I just want to say, there's only like three or four like major major game publishers. Yeah. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. like it's EA, Activision, Ubisoft, and maybe Take Two is in there. I don't, I don't think sure. Sony, but there's like the big three, and then well, they're not publisher. Like they're like a publisher. Oh, okay, right? okay, sorry, they aren't connected like the to non-hardware the... independent hardware, publishers. Yeah, yeah. So only those would ever sell for anywhere near this amount. Every other publisher, like Bethesda, Capcom, Square Enix, whatever, they would sell for much, much less. Yeah. I agree. Like, like we said, Bethesda's parent company was sold for $7.6 billion. This is a massive acquisition. It might be one of the biggest acquisitions in general in the tech sphere ever. Like, yeah, in, in ter- yeah, in terms of the pure like scale and size, it's huge. But So I guess my question is probably, uh, I'm going to self-proclaim proclaim myself as the most ca- relatively casual gamer among us. Like, Why should I care? Um, why should you care? You should care. What's going to change? What's going well, to change for, from my, my okay. gaming experience? So bef- before this, I just want to preface this with the whole, uh, I want to set the scene, in that this kind of came out of left field. There was not a lot of reporting on Activision Blizzard being sold. Um, the, the only real reporting about Microsoft having anything to do with Activision Blizzard was uh, the Microsoft CEO saying something along the lines of, we're looking at Activision Blizzard carefully. And we are considering what we can do to assess the situation and help with the situation. That situation, of course, being the now you know very uh, very massive issue of uh, sexual harassment and harassment in the workplace uh, that Activision Blizzard has you know been in the news for. So it was kind of like framed in the fact that they were talking about that, and then suddenly they go out and buy Activision Blizzard, and we only had like what maybe a 30, 40 minute you know, head start on the, the, the official news because the Wall Street Journal published, uh, you know, something like that. And I think the general belief was that it wasn't going to happen. And then it officially, it very quickly became, uh, became announced and official. Um, I think gamers, in terms of people who are Blizzard fans, they're hoping that this is the salvation 
for for Blizzard games, which which for most people, and you can argue whether it's true or not, but since probably you know mid two thousand tens, twenty tens, you 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 could see a massive decline in Blizzard's cultural relevance as a company. Is that unfair to say, or is that even too late um, into the mid two thousand ten? Are we talking more like two thousand and ten even? Yeah, I'd say around 2010. Uh, yeah, I would say their games stopped being like the gold standard, and you know they stopped being the ones where like every all their games are automatic. Well, actually, maybe no. Diablo three did sell a shit ton, so yeah, maybe like when did Diablo three come out? Whatever. Yeah, that but that timeline sounds correct. Yeah, so, I mean, so for, well, yeah. But ba- basically, basically, I I would say like financially, like Hearthstone, I guess it wasn't a mech. It was it did pretty well. So maybe like Heroes of the Storm, Starcraft two is where we start to decline. Now it's not saying that their games didn't do poorly. Uh, Diablo three came out in 2012, by the way. Yeah, uh, it's just they that just, they, they didn't just... have the whole cultural relevance. Yeah. yeah, they weren't mega successes that everyone. Well, then they had Overwatch again. So you, you know what? It's it. You can't like paint it with a broad brush. They stopped. Their hit rate was lower, but they were still capable of pushing out shit like Overwatch. That was huge, and then they fucked that up too. So yeah. Yeah, like... but o- Overwatch was very like it was kind of, it's very up and up and done. Like it went on the well, up, right. and then it kind of went down. Well, that's what I mean. Like, they basically, they were still capable of, like, really, really, like, hitting the collective consciousness and making, like, a culturally relevant game. And then, but they were also so incompetent, they couldn't follow that uh, up with anything. I, I think that's more so the fact that they just have, um, you know, have enough hold within gamers in general. Like, the, the name Blizzard still holds value, of course. That's not to yeah. say that the name Blizzard doesn't hold value. It's also, it's also just the market is bigger now. Like, they used to be competing in a smaller space. Now there's a lot of other companies that can make iconic great games it's really hard for a single game to have the kind of relevance that the old blizzard of the 2000s had like that's just impossible with the, with the number of titles that are coming out i'd say like in terms of how how we can be ubiquitous with the biggest games sure but i i think for the most part people would agree that um blizzard games decision making in the past 10 years has led them to alienate their core fan fan base and hasn't led them to actually gaining many new fans either because the yeah. new fans aren't playing Blizzard games, you know? Anyway, you, yeah. Like, if yeah, you're talking yeah. to, like, teenagers now, they're not saying that Blizzard games are the ones that they're playing, right? Right. Um, but they did, pl- they did play Overwatch for a hot second, though. They did. Like, that was actually a thing. Yeah, for, uh, and for I've people. talked to kids, and they say Overwatch is a dead game. Right. But it was hot for, like, I don't know, three years ago. It, it, was, it was a thing. It was a thing, sure. Um, and, and even then, people can argue about the whole... Uh, Overwatch being not being free to play, and what that affected Blizzard. A lot of people push for. Anyways, uh, anyways. So, as the more casual gamer who does like Blizzard games, I gotta ask you. So, like, what what do you think this does to Blizzard? What does this do to Blizzard? This puts Blizzard in a situation where now they they're focusing. I I think after Activision came in and they unified the brands, uh, I think they were more inclined to have blizzard be focused on you know big budget big production games um rather than trying to make and push new boundaries and new titles and new genres than they were before um i think that pushes blizzard to say okay well now we have the freedom i I think blizzard's really going to be unleashed in terms of the freedom they have to make new games and new genres and new titles um and hmm. be more, be less like the old Blizzard. I, th- I think Microsoft doesn't want to buy, uh, and people are saying, we know, that we're going to get the old Blizzard back, but I don't think that's the case. I think we're going to get yeah. a new Blizzard. Well, well I'm, I'm going to like ask, like, what, I, from my point of view, um, 
I don't know why like like Activision Blizzard's previous goals and their goals under Microsoft should be misaligned because ultimately the goal of Blizzard Activision Blizzard was to make lots of money, right? Make lots of make big games that sell a lot so everyone makes a lot of money. And like why would like isn't that Microsoft's goal too? Like like Microsoft's no goal matter is who to... owns them, like what what what's the difference in terms of what they're gonna do? Like it'll am still I... be like release release Call of Duty once a year, right? Like, am I, am no? I ready to drop the M word? Alright, go. Metaverse. That's <laughs> that, that's right. that's Microsoft's goal. It's the metaverse, guys. No one can tell you what the metaverse is, but uh, I think Microsoft's goal is to create a platform. They they already have the platform, right? To say that the piece that PC gaming isn't the largest platform for gaming is stupid, right? It's another lie. But well, Microsoft mobile. I mean, it's mobile, but whatever. Mobile games aren't it's... real games. Okay, all right, all right. So just straight up say that, okay? But even then, um, Microsoft doesn't make any money beyond selling. Uh, also, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that PC game PCs are not the biggest platform for gaming. So bigger than. <laughs> okay, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm like fair. No, 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 no. Can, can we ask producer Keith to just look up like uh, right. game sales in the last couple of years and like what, which ones of them are on? I'm pretty sure, like it's all going to be we uh, all going to be Switch games. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure. It, regardless, okay. Um, Mark I'm pretty sure it's going to pretty sure it's going to be like Breath of the Wild, like 30, 30 million copies sold. But I don't like mean that. that. I mean the bigger platform, like how many people are actually playing video games in total on each platform. Right. I think I think I think PC is bigger. Um, but yeah, regardless, I I, I think Microsoft has too long been um beyond the xbox and beyond the few core games too long been away from being a video game producer and a, and a, and a place where people think of video games uh think to play video games and we can only look at the xbox what is it i, I can't remember what the latest xbox is called because they fucked up yeah. the name team what's the newest xbox called? The xbox the one. one x the one yeah is the it one. just the is this the uh, we have to just one? I thought they put a letter. Anyways, whatever. Xbox no, no. Series X is the new one. Okay, yeah. Xbox Series X. Fuck stupid name, Microsoft. How the fuck do you fuck up with numbers? Just go by numbers. We invented numbers. Use numbers. Anyways, um, yeah, the, the whole um where you could where you don't have to buy the console. Instead, you buy it through like the X uh the Xbox Game Pass set. What was like thirty dollars a month for twenty four months? Like that. That just makes. Uh, the Xbox console more accessible, even though consoles themselves are supposed to be made undercut on the price of the value of the, of the uh, the hardware, right? Because the companies make their money back through selling games. That's how yeah. Sony sells a, a PS5 for $500 and sold the last PlayStation for $500, sold the PlayStation before that for $500, even though inflation says that it shouldn't, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think Microsoft wants to have its hand in that, in that pie where... To make this clear, right? People are saying, "Oh, you know, all these, all the, uh, all the COD, all of the Activision Blizzard games are going to go on Game Pass, and then you're going to be able to play Game Pass for fifteen dollars a month and have Act- Activision Blizzard games." That's probably not going to happen. I would say that's highly unlikely. There might be a select few of them that do go to Game Pass. I'm thinking Overwatch is a clear, um, clear option. Is is Hearthstone free to play, or was it like ten bucks? I don't remember. I, bought, free, I don't remember if play. I bought it. It's free to play. It's free to play. Did it start? Did it start off free to play? Yeah, it started free to play. It was always okay. a mobile gotcha game. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I think there are a few games that will go to the, will go to Game Pass, and whether Game Pass increases in price to match the amount of money Microsoft is throwing at video game companies is another question to be decided. But I, I think in general, 
Microsoft just wants to have um, control over the next generation of gaming uh, video games, which it hasn't had control over since probably Halo. Halo. All right. Well, well, that, well, that basically tells me that it doesn't affect me at all because, because basically, they're just tell Blizzard to do, hey, keep doing your thing. We just want to have control over it. Nothing anyone has told me right so far has convinced me that they're going to change the direction of like, of the studio. What does Keith think? I brought Keith in. Okay, first of all, I want to give Wax this list because I just want I, I just want to prove that he, he's wrong. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he would have thought Breath of the Wild would have been the top selling game, but so from the twenty best selling games from twenty ten to through twenty nineteen in the U.S. Grand Theft Auto 5, Call of Duty, 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 Red Dead Redemption 2, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, <laughs> Minecraft, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Skyrim, Mario Kart 8, Call of Duty, Battlefield, Battlefield, Destiny, Breath of the Wild, Battlefront. All right. So it's all multi-platform games then. Yeah. Yes. All Mostly right, but all that... Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto 5, which is like yeah. obvious. Right, but in any case, I I feel like this this list proves me half right that PC is like PC is shit, whatever. PC is not a thing. It's 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 a thing, but it's not a thing. Well, it's a thing in that uh, most people, a lot of people, play free to play games. So like a lot, like a ton of people are playing League. League doesn't have game sales. Right, right. Um, okay, so, so it's like it's different measurements, really. Okay, League, Dota, CS:GO. Now that you've corrected me on that, uh, so what do you what do you think, Keith? Do you think that this am I right to think that this doesn't really change what Activision Blizzard does? It's just Microsoft just lets them keep doing whatever they were going to do. Now they just but they just have ownership. Or is there any chance that this actually changes the direction of their focus? This changes absolutely nothing. Nobody should care about this, other than people who exclusively play games on PlayStation or Switch and only if those games that they play aren't Call of Duty. Um, because Microsoft is not going to pull Call of Duty from being multi-platform. And if you're a PC gamer, you're still going to get all of the games. If you're an Xbox gamer, you're obviously going to get all the games. Switch, you might not because... Um, there's the X cloud thing for streaming and portability and stuff through mobile um, that they yeah, might. That USB thing, uh, HDMI thing, whatever it is. They, they keep uh, saying that the HDMI dongle, right? That they want to release. Well, I don't know about that, but I just mean like streaming like Xbox games through Android through the app, through yeah, the yeah. cloud. Um, so through that, they might like not want everything to be on Switch because they want to do their own like portability thing. Um, but COD is still going to be multi-platform. Um, the, anything that was announced already is probably still going to end up on whatever platforms it was announced. Like Diablo four was announced for PS4. I don't know if they're doing current gen or not, but like eventually when those come out, they'll probably still be there. So like years down the line, if you're a PlayStation gamer or a Nintendo gamer and you care about Activision or Blizzard games, you might have to like get an xbox or get a pc or whatever uh for game pass um but like other than that this i don't see this meaning anything especially for um 
the, the like my biggest question is does the Activision and or Blizzard brand even survive the acquisition? Um because like I was saying beforehand I would have like shut down Blizzard and move their IPs around to other studios at Activision or whatever. But if like under this acquisition we'll there's spin them off. Yeah, you can just make new studios at Microsoft or you can give the IPs to other studios or whatever as well. And like I like I don't I don't know that you need the Activision or the Blizzard brand uh after the acquisition so oh. just keep the games and then well the best cod games are, are made on, on the which which game company activision only publishes them but the the, the game the best cod games say call of duty for modern warfare treyarch? The, the most treyarch right that's infinity ward uh, that's oh, infinity treyarch ward. Is Every, Ops. everyone likes okay. infinity ward or at least my friends always liked infinity ward games over treyarch games um i don't know if the sales match up with that but i'm, sh- I'm sure they probably do although like all COD games were selling shit, shit ton anyways. doesn't look like it okay. matters. I mean, those okay, are so Activision Studios, so those are, are still yeah, yeah. being acquired by Microsoft in this. Well, I'm, I'm saying, I agree with you, by the way, on the spin-off idea. I, I think um, you should just murder everybody who's um, on the Overwatch team because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, so we can just kill them, give it to some other studio. Figuratively. Okay. Figuratively yeah, just, kill them. Yeah, figuratively kill them and make sure they never work on another game ever again. In their lives, maybe cut off their hands. I don't know. What do we? What can we do? Figuratively, figured, f- figured, figuratively, cut under, cut off their hands. So. And allegedly, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> fig, fig, figuratively, I should say. Yeah, yeah. So, like the the major thing in this acquisition is going to be the IP, right? And you can, right. like, any studio can work on IP if you just put the studio together. You don't need like blizzard team whatever and you don't you you'd probably keep infinity ward together and treyarch together because those are established studios but like in their own right that could work on call of duty or they could work on whatever um like it doesn't matter but like if you're bringing back uh starcraft or you're making a new warcraft or you're uh working on overwatch making overwatch to a reality for the first time ever because it still doesn't exist at this point like you don't need the teams the way that they are formed under blizzard currently to do that you just give it to whatever studio that you're like oh you guys want to work on a new starcraft all right here you go do your oh. best uh it's dead anyways so like we'll see oh yeah, that's, okay well, that's, that's a pretty starcraft, major change but genshin, what, 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 genshin impact style Okay, that that's well, mm, all the units are kawaii. I mean, there are. Have you have you played uh, the Starcraft cartoon mod? They are no, they are I've, I haven't. I've, 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 I've only played the Starcraft tutorial, and I failed at that. Okay, no, no. <laughs> Go okay, to my stream so like, to watch that. I don't know if the vod's still there. Probably not. Eh. Right. Okay. So, so key. So, okay. So that makes sense. Like, so you said at the beginning that it changes jack shit about Activision Blizzard as a studio itself, but. For the, a fan of their games, that changes quite a bit. The possibility that their IP can now be spread out across, you know, the vast number of studios that Microsoft owns. Like, like who knows if the games will be good? But yeah, like like a StarCraft spinoff, Warcraft spinoff as a mobile game, as like a shooter, as like whatever other genre. I mean, that's kind of a, that's pretty exciting. It it almost feels like what Riot's doing with Riot Forge because I don't have, I have no idea what uh, 
like the uh, the League of Legends RPG is like. I I think it got like okay reviews. I have no idea what the uh, rhythm game is like. I think that also got okay reviews. But it's exciting to see the IP being used by other people, even if it's on like a smaller indie scale. So, I mean, that's that's a big change from my perspective. That's huge. Yeah, well, it's it's a big deal in that you can see an expansion of of the franchises. But it, what what I'm meant by it doesn't change anything is like, uh, as far as what you can expect in the near future, like Diablo Four is still going to be Diablo Four. It's still going to release on all the platforms Diablo Four was supposed to release on. COD mm-hmm. is going to be the same. Um, Overwatch Two is still whatever Overwatch Two is. Warcraft still doesn't Which exist nothing. outside of the MMO and Hearthstone. Starcraft is still dead for now. Um, but like, whether it's a spinoff or just like another RTS or something like it, like it's a change in the sense that they can revive things that are been latent. But it's not really like, like they're not gonna come in and like mess up anything that you already knew was coming, I guess. Like there's, there's what I should say. There's reason to be hopeful, I guess, if you're interested in these IP surviving, if you're a fan of blizzard as a studio, that studio isn't the same thing that you were a fan of before to begin with. If you're a fan of the IPs, then the IPs could see some sort of, uh, revitalization or, um, expansion or something like that those are like the big okay. takeaways i have uh what do you think the chance is that uh they actually take away not take away but borrow their ips because th- there's also a chance that they say hey blizzard because blizzard has been like very protective of their ips right they don't like to self-license they don't do that kind of stuff that easily do you think that uh like uh microsoft like just kicks open the door and says hey you know you got these great ips that are being underutilized we gotta spread them out to our other studios or do you think they give blizzard some of like they preserve some of their whatever the protectiveness like do you think that exists at all or is it just like a free-for-all now uh i think it depends on what they do with blizzard if they leave blizzard intact i think they can leave the ip there and start like there, there was a discussion that uh i forget the details but like blizzard has been like struggling like as uh, from like a personnel standpoint lately as well outside of this i don't know if it's outside of the scandal or whatever but they've been struggling to like bring in new people and i think being under management at microsoft might boost their recruiting efforts if they decide to leave blizzard as is so you can build a blizzard back up with more people and more teams to work on the ip that they have like that's all that's always one option um if you want to leave everything in-house but I think if Microsoft wants to move people around, if they like, if they want to either shrink Blizzard or like leave it with World of Warcraft or whatever, and then move stuff around and move people around to form new teams and new studios, um, and then move the IP around with them, like nobody's going to be able to tell them no. Like it's their decision. So it just depends on what Microsoft's plans are for Blizzard, really. Okay, and that's hard to project what they could be at this point. Like maybe they just like they strip it for a, for the IPs, or maybe they just let them go along as they are now. That's hard to protect. 
I, I think yeah. since the last acquisition, uh, no, sorry, Activision Blizzard it was a merger, but um, they Blizzard being left on its own didn't seem to have done anything. Didn't really work. A lot of things Blizzard did didn't really work that well. I th- I think Microsoft are going to be more inclined to say, okay, well we've got this is a proper a- acquisition, right? It's not a merger. We don't have you know when a, uh, unless they really think that the Blizzard uh, name still holds value, then they might keep it together. But that's the only reason they're going to keep Blizzard together. I don't think Blizzard as a company matters anymore. I think that's the yeah, only that's, reason. That's my it. stance. But I'm also like. I'm not like anti blizzard, but I'm kind of anti blizzard. So like, that's my stance, but it might just be because I already want that to happen. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. But I mean, uh, you, you or Keith, you're an overwatch fan or you were at least like briefly interested in the IP. So you'd be interested in the IP getting spread out to like whatever genres, like if they made like a RPG game or a tactical, sh- a tactical, or, yeah, like a turn-based tactical RPG, final, final fantasy tactic style or whatever kind of game, like you'd be interested in that, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm always interested in seeing what people do to expand IP. Um, Overwatch, I think, very much so lends itself to being whatever anybody comes up with uh, to turn it into. So, like, I would be definitely interested in that. Just stop with the esports. Oh, I mean, there's there's reports. There was a report in Axios where uh, they cited... Uh, they talked to Jacob Wolf, and he said that I think he said it's unlikely that they kill the leagues altogether, but they would like uh, they would change them so they're more of like an explicit marketing arm and not so much like this uh, attempt to be a facsimile of traditional sports where they try to make money from it. Which I mean, in effect, like I guess it doesn't kill Overwatch League, but it sort of kills it as this like big like ambitious experiment. I think it was yeah, already dead, anyways. Yeah, I don't. I Overwatch League is in such a screwed point right now because Overwatch Two doesn't exist. But uh, between Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, I, I so, um, I don't know if Microsoft is still partnered with um, the Smite Pro League or not. I don't. I don't know. But um, like, I don't know what they're. They, it doesn't really seem like a big like ambition from Microsoft to be like, we're going to run this huge exclusive uh, like Call of Duty and Overwatch League. So I can see like them supporting um, supporting like a system that's closer to like the old like tournaments and whatever. But I don't I don't know. It doesn't I mean, like. It- Microsoft running Call of Duty League just doesn't like make any sense in my head. They did buy. Uh, they do not own the MLG brand again because Blizzard bought MLG. So who knows? Maybe that's sort of like a direction they could go in. Yeah, that that actually bring back MLG makes a lot yeah. of sense. Actually, if they do that, like MLG with COD and Halo, and it's all like under Microsoft, that would actually be yeah kind of sensible. I- because I feel like in at this point in time, like uh, COD League, the brand value has actually it's in a place where I feel like it's bigger than MLG. But for Halo, if they were going to like start a new Halo esport, it might just be better just to use the MLG brand because it has a lot of cachet. Like right now, to to fold Call of Duty League back into MLG, that's sort of iffy because like 
yeah, they, they spent a lot of effort making Call of Duty League a thing, and it's actually pretty credible. I think it's actually, like, realistically speaking, is it the second biggest esport in America? It might be the biggest esport in Amer- in North America right now, North even America over League of Legends. Yeah, I, I think it actually might be. So, like, Call of Duty League, keeping that up is probably uh, rational, but like, with Halo, yeah, like, using Halo as a way to kickstart, uh, to, I mean, to reboot uh, MLG, that, that could be a thing. I think if you did like a huge if you if like if you put effort into it and you were like all right we're bringing back mlg and like game battles and stuff i think cod players and halo players would orgasm at just the mention of it i don't like i don't know if you replace call of duty league outright with mlg yeah. but i think if you wanted to get some spark in the player base for some competition if you brought back yeah. mlg and game battles then yeah i, I yeah, would MLG, be all over that yeah make mlg part of the cod circuit because i like, honestly if you think about it like mlg should have been bought by microsoft like a gazillion years ago like that's what should have happened it just had to float along like being floated by venture capital for a gazillion years without making any money because the publishers were like out on esports but like like this is this is the the best by circuitous route, it arrived at where it, where it always should have arrived. MLG should always have been like the marketing arm for Microsoft's gaming department. Like Microsoft just didn't care about gaming until it's too late. Yeah. Um. Would you say like MLG would then be like instead of a circuit, it would be just but be an event? Like say like a what, what's the Blizzard event called? Fucking Blizzard Day? Is that what's called? Which one? Which BlizzCon. Maybe BlizzCon. 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 Yeah. Like, no. No. You like, don't. Well. Have you ever been to MLG? MLG was a circuit. No. That's what it always yeah, was. That's, that's what I mean. It was a circuit, but would you then change it to just like one big day where all the games... All no, the... no, no. Like, no, no. Like, MLG was always... like It's always been like a, like a... So obviously the competition is a big part of it, but the show floor has, has always had like a lot of room for like, commercial opportunities or like conventionist shit. So, like, it's like, like it's, PAX, it's, essentially. Yeah, yeah, like, but, but more of it's devoted okay. to like, the land, to the yeah, you know, yeah. the competition like areas where you, yeah, yeah. right. So, I mean, yeah, honestly, I think like it's it's uh it's really a shame that the MLG brand like it went it went to you know it lapsed. All of their guys quit because Blizzard folded it into like Overwatch League, but bringing it back and making it this because uh, it still has like, so much cultural cachet, right? Like the MLG three sixty, no, no, whatever. No scope memes, they still exist. Like, I, I, I do the kids know that these days? Ads? Ah, do, do your kids know that? Are your students, I mean. An MLG pro gamer moment? Yeah, like, mm. do they know the MLG 360 no-scope memes? I, I think some of them would know it, yeah, but I, I don't think it's that big. Mm. I haven't asked okay. them if they, so, they have an MLG pro gamer moment. All right, that's all the more reason to, like, strike before it dies completely. While that meme still has cachet, you got to bring it back and make it a thing but, again. Yeah, there's also kids who still play League in my school, but they, they're becoming rarer and rarer. It's a dying breed. <laughs> they play, okay. they play Va- Valorant now. Oh wow! Okay, interesting change. Oh yeah, I did want to say. I think Wax had said something earlier about. Uh, I don't know if it was Blizzard could never be what Blizzard was, or if no studio could be what Blizzard was. But I think Riot is what Blizzard was. Hmm. That's it. Well, it's the closest to what Blizzard was because, like, no one plays Runeterra, but people do play Valorant. So, like. Get- People play Valorant, TFT's kind of having a second wave. Um, Valorant's actually much bigger than I thought it was. Wait, wait, like, it's, isn't, it, isn't it Rockstar? Isn't it, isn't it Rockstar, to be honest? 
Is it's it? Red Dead. It's GTA. Like everything they make, like it just prints gold. I feel like it's it's Rockstar more than anything. Yeah, but they, they do it so infrequently, and other than GTA, well, so did Blizzard. Hey, hey, so did Blizzard, man. But but the thing with Blizzard is that they had um, genre-defining games in multiple genres. Does Rockstar have that? Oh, you mean like the artistic? They have. They have. You mean- consider genres to be a like crime thriller in Western and not. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like because yeah. their biggest games are all just the same open world game in different settings that, that's so. what i mean right like but i'm saying like blizzard had the biggest game in mmos the biggest game in rts the biggest game in uh card card games you know if you're talking about genre defining then the answer is no because like yeah in that case the, the answer is definitely no no one's ever going to become close to blizzard because like but I, I think only... low became the the genre defining game in or one mobas Loba. Uh, okay. Yeah, and I think TFC has become the genre-defining game in what's that called? Uh, auto battle, auto chess, auto battlers, auto battlers. Yeah. yeah, but that's auto genre, yeah, but that, that's not a genre. Like no one plays that. It's like whatever. It is a genre <laughs> that's though. Like, that's like, TFT was I, in the top ten most streamed games of last year, something like that. Um, no, so it wasn't. Big. Are, you, are you serious? Yeah, yeah are it was. you fucking serious? Yeah, TFT is big, dude. Not most streamed or most watched hours. I think was the. Specific Jesus. terminology is, but yeah, it's surprisingly big. I think Valorant's up there. The Valorant will never beat something like a CS:GO or COD in terms of or Crossfire, or, or even Crossfire internationally. But whatever. Yeah, Crossfire is not a real game. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think that the I, thing that disqualifies the thing that disqualifies Rockstar is that people people don't like Rockstar in the way that they like Blizzard or Riot. Right? They People the, dislike the games, games. The games sell a a buttload, uh, yep. but like people aren't like like I think Naughty Dog is like a closer equivalent than Rockstar is, and people got on Naughty Dog because of The Last of Us oh. Two or whatever. But like, you mean in terms of cultivating corporate image? Where... Yeah, as far as like people liking it as like a studio versus liking just the products that the studio puts out. But that's just the difference between having like likable forward facing people. Really? Is, isn't that just a difference? Uh, probably. Like, like does, does like rockstar actually have like more predatory anti-consumer practices than blizzard or, or other companies? Like, isn't it just this difference? Just it's purely like a, it's the, the gift wrap around, right? It's the paint job. Their I mean, actual practices are the same. Take two, so their their practices are probably worse in a lot of ways. But <laughs> that's uh, true. okay, maybe. Okay, maybe. <laughs> but but like it's just like like Rockstar is not like a personality studio. It's just they're they're grinding away for whatever however long, just putting out stuff to make money. They're not like endearing in any way. Yeah, but that's that's just PR. They don't care about the PR. Like it's like it's like Nintendo. Well, I feel like Nintendo is like one of the more interesting examples. Like. I feel like Nintendo has particularly consumer-friendly practices. It's just like they're that quirky Japanese company that gets to do whatever they want, and we we just let them do it because you know Mario and Japan. Yeah, they definitely get leeway that they shouldn't get. Yeah, like they're they're as like anti-consumer as well, not as anyone, but like you know they're not exactly like a consumer-friendly company. Yeah, but well, that's what I mean. Like it depends. It depends on what I guess what like aspect you're approaching blizzard from because like like i think blizzard had cultural relevance in a way that they had like 
good games and adoration from that from people fans. liked. But yeah. yeah, but because they had like they had like BlizzCon and stuff like that, they were sort of like right. a like a personality in and of themselves. Uh, that a lot of other studios just they they don't have that because they're just there to be crunched as devs until they put out something that makes money. And I guess like a uh, Rockstar doesn't really care to have a forward facing like like uh, representative. Like like they don't even they don't even see the value in that. Like like who the fuck cares? If we of course, have this because person? I guess before that would be like the the competitor to Blizzard would be Valve. Mm, yeah, that's true. Not until they, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nobody likes Valve anymore because they don't they don't play games out anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They stopped being a game company. Like. What the yeah. fuck are video uh, games? I was actually going to say one studio that could have gotten there is CD Projekt Red, and they totally <laughs> lost all goodwill they possibly could have uh, with Cyberpunk. So good luck on that one. You know what? This is a good lesson in that corporations are bad and we shouldn't like them. So there we go. Lesson yeah, exactly. number Shout one, out one to bazillion. Jason. Corporations are foes, <laughs> not friends. All right. Uh, I feel like we can. Can we wrap up uh, the Activision Blizzard topic on yeah. this? Microsoft I, I, I just bad. In, in this, yeah, Microsoft yeah. bad, Blizzard bad, Riot Blizzard bad. bad. But Everyone I do want to say I did play the Riot games, the Riot Forge games, and they were pretty good. I played the um, the what, what's the, what genre did you say that was the, the Ruin, Ziggs game? Ruin King? Oh, no, no, uh, uh, Hexagon uh, rhythm game. Rhythm Is that a rhythm game? game? Yeah, rhythm. Yeah, rhythm it, platformer. It's an endless runner rhythm platformer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I played that one. It was fun. It was, it was great. Okay, um, but I'm it was only like I never played it, and it I was, haven't bought Ruin King yet. It's like a like a five to ten hour game max. So it's not a very long game, but it was like 10, 15, 20 or twelve bucks. It wasn't that big, news. Um, but yeah, it was fun. All right, cool. Anyway, uh, let's do our, our not our ad, but our our uh, our, our, our begging cycle. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. If you liked our discussion on Activision Blizzard and our discussion on Djokovic and want to hear more about current events that we have actually no expertise in and we're just talking absolute shit, then you can support us on our coffee, which is at ko-fi.com slash the jujus. Give us money so that we can, so that Wax can keep buying a New York Times subscription so that he can scrape the data there and so that I can buy Riot Forge games and tell you if they're good or not and so that Keith can do whatever Keith does because he's a mystery man. No one knows what he actually does. He just buys Jap- uh, learn Japanese games and never plays them. So he can do that. Um, and yeah, support us. But if you don't and just listen, that's okay too. We could thank you for listening. So thanks. All right, let's move on. Oh, damn, we have a lot of topics today. Shit. What do you want to move on to? Uh, That's all you pick. Actually, you pick the the last one. And then again, I'm I'm lazy, you pick. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm trying to think. We'll we'll connect this to... Let's do uh, is veganism impinging on vegetarian options in restaurants. All right, let's do this one. So, (laughs) All right, no connection whatsoever, but let's go. No connection. Also, the article that you linked doesn't even work. Well, as just wanted, as just wanted to like talk about, it, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. So basically, there's this article from the Guardian. We're just gonna oh, sorry, it, oh, sorry. It doesn't work because wax fucked uh, up the uh, link. Yeah, let me fix, let me fix the link. Come on. No, 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 it's fine. I know what it's about. There was yeah. a discussion on the Guardian. <laughs> it's an opinion piece, I assume, uh, with the title "Who Moved My Cheese: The Silent Battle Between Vegetarians and Vegans." 
as a, ve- a vegetarian, I feel like I am well inclined to talk about on this topic. Um, so basically, the crux of the article is that um, most uh, restaurants are foregoing the vegetarian option, and when they only have space for one or two um, meat-free options, they're choosing to go the full way and go for a vegan dish, whether that be through the emittance of uh, cheese or adding or cheese or eggs or adding um, vegan cheeses or stuff like that, or vegan cheese replacements. Uh, Regardless, it seems as though vegetarian options are out and vegan options are in. And vegetarians appear to be reading about it. Wax, do you have any comments? Okay, uh, I, I thought you were going to tell me your opinion on this. So I am, I am, but I wanted you to say something stupid first so that I could buy that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, something, something stupid. Uh, okay. Well, I, well, I, I feel like um, this all this all comes down to. I want to ask. I want to ask you about your reasons again. Like, I feel like we re-examine this every couple of months about your reasons for going vegetarian, and it's like always been nebulous, right? It's like half ethical, half. Just like uh, it just hap- it's happenstance. I don't think it happens that. I just said uh, it's ethical, but not on just the uh, ethical, uh, like for animal life rights, but also like environmental, I think is my main concern. Right, 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 right. So, so I forgot if we talked about this before, but like, did you ever say that uh, you were interested in going full vegan? Because like, because I've, I've said you follow- it yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you follow that logic down the full way, so whether it's ethically, then obviously you want to go full vegan. Environmentally, I'm pretty sure that also says you should go full vegan. Like you can go. Like, I think environmentally, like you could say that you could eat like you know uh, insect protein powder or some other things, but it will lead you toward the path of becoming more vegan, I suppose. Yeah, I I'd, I'd agree. Um, the thing for me about veganism is I'm like. If you were to say, like, there's no such thing as this, but um, I'm still going to use it. And I've, I've used this example for vegetarianism as well. But I've said, you know, I'd say, like, I'm 80 to 90% vegan already. You know what I mean? Like, I very rarely have eggs. I very rarely have – I don't drink milk um, or really use any milk products. The only thing I have is, like, pizza. And I'm very close to the point now where I could just have – And halloumi, cheese. come on. And just halloumi, yeah. cheese. But again, I don't have that very often. The only time I have that is if I'm having Nando's or something and I'm doing like a Nando's halloumi burger or something like that. And that's really good. I'll say that's really good. But in, in general, like I, I think my uh, cheese, milk, egg um, intake is very low for a vegetarian or, or meat eater, like for both. I'd, I'd be on the low end of either of those. Um the reason why I don't go vegan is honestly just just straight up laziness, like having to actually check all my food and know that there's no milk and stuff like that. Um, and I do like cheese. I'm a very good, big fan of cheese. I don't have it that often, but I do like cheese. So that's pretty much my reasoning. In terms of the article itself, I think the article does make a good point in that um, they say like plant-based options are becoming more and more in vogue, even if you are not a vegetarian. Like you see... Um, veganuary oh, yeah. or just saying you know skip skip them skip the meat this time and go for a plant-based uh, burger or whatever you know every few every couple of times and that's where that's where the term like 80 percent vegetarian comes from right uh, where there are mm-hmm. people who, who would describe themselves vegetarian 
but they will sometimes, you know, once or twice a month, partake in, say, some chicken or some other meat. Um, and as a vegetarian a lot, uh, or a vegan, a lot of people are, like, on the hard, hard and fasting. You know, you have to be 100%. You have to be fully committed. For me, I'm thinking that's that any progress towards that is a good is a good um is is progress right progress is progress right like if you know every single person in the world became 50% vegetarian that's better than 10% of the world becoming full-time vegetarian right something like that you know just random maths chuck out um it checks out I'm, yeah am am i a fan of uh of of um restaurants taking away the cheese and replacing with uh, you know dairy free cheese or whatever they do um and having no other option for the vegetarians honestly i don't really care it would it would be nice if there was cheese options and i think the thing with the, the vegan cheese right is how many of them allow you to switch it for real cheese say if they have um cheese on the menu in other areas right will they allow you to switch it um for vegans the most common thing when in those situations was oh you don't have vegan cheese well i'll just have no cheese or no egg or whatever or no milk you know what i mean um and that's that's a harder sell than just sw- switching out cheese for cheese or just saying i don't want cheese you know what I mean? but um for people who don't like vegan cheese then they're back in the same situation if there is no other option right mm-hmm. where I, I i don't know what the math is on uh, sorry, the stats is on vegetarians or vegans and what the difference is, like how, how many more people are vegetarian than vegan. I want to say being vegetarian is more popular, but I could be wrong in the West. Yeah. Oh, well, well, that's kind of like the thing I wanted to ask you because is vegetarianism being uh, cannibalized? Mm, not cannibalized. What's what's a better word? Uh, hmm. Is it being vegetarian? Veganized? Okay, well, is, is vegetarianism being veganized? <laughs> By, by veganism, because so so obviously there is um, there's religious vegan, vegetarianism, which I'm not going to touch on. That that's always going to exist. Like that's like a separate category, and yeah. it's not as significant in the West. Like so, that is a thing. But I feel like in the West, like do you feel there's like a shift? Because it it does seem like uh, veganism is at least in the West, it's a evolution of vegetarianism. Because like back in the day. In the whatever the fifties and sixties, the hippies started doing vegetarian diets for similar reasons. You know, it's a vague, you know, web of ethics, environmentalism. You know, you know various things. And then the natural progression point from there is, is veganism. So if you look, if you think about, so maybe this is just me, sort of just like connecting this in my mind, and it has no connection to reality. It does seem to me, at least, that there like was like a natural progression in the West in Western dietary culture from vegetarianism to veganism and this is just like a natural progression like do you see it that way yeah i think um i, th- I think it's true i i, I think I don't, I don't know the stats on how many people are vegetarian versus vegan but i would say that in general the trend is to whether you're vegetarian or not you know even if you're coming from a straight meat eater diet i think more people are saying from a straight meat eater diet are going straight for the vegan option i think there is more content at least the cons- even when as a vegetarian um, when I was first getting into lifting and I was like trying to figure out, you know, how can I get, um, you know, enough protein. It's something I'm still working on to this day, right? It's not, it's not a hundred percent easy despite what any YouTuber will say. You will, you can't really research or, or the vast majority of lifting content for vegetarians that I consumed was vegan lifters, right? Um, who were like purely vegan. Um, and most of that content was that. And that's, I think that's why, my diet is so heavily shifted towards 
um, mainly vegan options, you know. I think that's a big reason why. And I think in terms of the Western sphere, it is very uh, vegan dominated in terms of, um, you know, the knowledge about that kind of stuff. So I, I think it, you're right that it is a natural progression in terms of what people are considering to be the best. So I think it's also just a, well, you know, this might be a quite somewhat controversial. It's It's a push from society as a whole for you to have a hard fast rule on things you know what i mean like you have to be uh whether it be in politics or in you know food eating diets you know you have to be like 100 percent committed to everything that this diet says it's the polarization of society is that what you're yeah. saying yeah I, i'd say it's like that where people don't mm-hmm. really want uh, a lot of people um and this could be you know you, you could blame twitter or whatever don't you gotta like be nuance <laughs> You gotta be PlayStation or you gotta be Xbox. Yeah, as, as Android or iPhone. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so you gotta either be the cheese or eat the cheese. Can't be both. That's that's true. Well, I, I'm gonna say anecdotally, at least I feel like it's the case. Like, uh, I don't know as many vegetarians. I know more vegans. Like, it does feel like in the West, like the middle. I don't call it middle ground because like I, that seems unfair, but. The the vegetarian it seems like a, like a much much less common thing than before. I've never now that you say that I've never spoken to another vegetarian that wasn't a vegetarian for a reason, for a religious reason. I've spoken to people who <laughs> say they're vegetarian, and then two weeks later I I see them eating chicken, and they say, "Oh, if chicken doesn't count, I, I meant vegetarian. Like I don't eat beef, um, ah. or pork, or whatever other lamb." Yeah, uh, I, I've never I met see. another obligate. Vegetarian. Damn it. Is that okay? Uh, no, no, no. I, I was gonna. I was just gonna say I, I unintentionally went vegetarian today, but uh, it was not true. I, I had some clam chowder from my can. That's that's pescatarian, right? Yeah, pescatarian. Wait, yeah, pescatarian. Yeah, yeah okay. I, Even I, I wax is lying about as vegetarian. All vegetarians are liars. That's why you should never trust them. Except me. I'm a no, real vegetarian. No, I was gonna say so. Like for for so, my, so I had some. Uh, some pasta bolognese, but instead of using ground beef, I used uh, what is it? Uh, some impossible sausage, impossible meat, uh, pork Please sausage. Cut it up or something. Ma- ma- no, no, like you know, bolognese is like you know, it's uh, yeah, you, know, you use ground, ground beef usually, right? Yeah, yeah, it's ground beef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's some impossible sausage. I used that instead of ground beef. So I had some pasta bolognese. I had a grilled cheese sandwich. And uh, then then I had some microwaved canned clam chowder. So okay. It's just just ruined everything. Ruined everything today. Yeah, you could have said you were vegetarian, and then when pescatarian uh, burger. Yeah, we know you're vegetarian. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, well, I think yeah. The, the hardest part yeah, about yeah. being vegetarian is having to explain to people the difference between vegetarianism, veganism, and pescatarianism. Because regardless of how many times you explain it, people still don't understand it. Stop being fucking stupid. It's not that hard. I mean, how often do you have to do that? Like, who's who's cooking Very, for you? No, not for people like who are cooking. I'm cooking mainly the time. Um, okay. um, but as in like in general, I think it's uh, it's just something that I always have to explain. Like, oh, what's the difference? They always ask. It's like one of the most common questions I get when I tell people I'm vegetarian, which is why I don't lead with it. Actually, you shouldn't I, lead I, with I, anything. I do understand, though, like if you were like an old school vegetarian who actually, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's religious reasons or, like you know, just personal reasons, you... You don't want to go full vegan, but you're vegetarian. I can I can understand why this is annoying because like like honestly like the difference between like at least as of now the difference between like vegan dairy products 
and real dairy products, it's huge. So if you go to a restaurant and you want like real cheese and they're just giving you vegan cheese, like at this point in time, that, that's going to piss you off. Like I understand that. But that's what I'm saying. Like I don't, I don't know if the if, if the menu has other options, like other options with real cheese, you could just ask for real cheese, right? Like is that not an option at most of these restaurants? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I feel like uh, at a restaurant, like uh, I, I, so high-end restaurants, that's the thing. Like each menu item, it's just taking up like it's – Take up logistics is taking up refrigerator space. Like each item has to be like very, very like well thought of. So it makes business sense for like why a business, like a business owner would say, okay, you know what? There's more vegans now. We're just going to cover the vegan and vegetarian category with our vegan option. So I I, I do know why the like it's it's completely understandable why they're getting the vegetarians are getting pushed out. It's just logistics. It, it actually is a zero sum game in some ways. Yeah, I, I think it's a logical business decision. And that's why I, I made the clearance that, you know, if they're selling, you know, like if, if you're at an Italian restaurant, right, I'm sure they're making pasta with real cheese, right? Like this is the, it's a guarantee. And if you can ask for that, then yeah. I don't think there's a difference. And even then, even if they don't, you're in a better position than a vegan who has to just then say, oh, I don't want this meal with anything, like without cheese. And if cheese is a core part of the menu or the meal, then it just really sucks for them. So I'm willing to take to bite the bullet and have the vegan cheese. Which I don't think it's too bad. Well, good good for you. You are saving the planet for the rest of us. Keith, yeah. do you have any thoughts on this whatsoever? Okay. No, hold on. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was in a different window. I was typing in Discord. Um, <laughs> Very bored. Very... Uh, <laughs> Do I have any thoughts on vegetarians being pushed out by vegans or do I have any thoughts on like either in general? Either. Um, I don't know. Which one you part of the conversation? My my only thing is, so there was this point, this is, I probably has nothing to do with what you guys have been talking about other than like in the first couple of minutes when you mentioned uh, like the ethical versus environmental versus whatever reasons for choosing either. Um, There was a TikTok that I saw um probably a couple months ago now at this point where somebody was suggesting that if you are a vegan i think it was maybe vegetarian but i think it was vegan and you aren't um you aren't like growing all of your own stuff and you still participate in the same supply chain that everybody else does you should shut up about being a vegan. And I wanted to get Ads's thoughts on that. I mean, you know Ads is a gardener, right? You know that. No, I know. That's why I just... I'm not saying he's the one doing it. I'm just saying, like, the thought that you're... That as a vegan, if you just participate in the same supply chain that causes the same harm that all the other supply chains do, even if you aren't in the participating in the, like, the slaughterhouses and stuff like that um, at the source that you uh are because you know people talk about like like jerk vegans and stuff like vegans are assholes basically but yeah like like if you do that you should just like doubly shut up because you're still part of the problem but i I don't do you mean like as in like because this company that you're buying by the way a lot of the, the companies that sell um you know mock meat also are like meat industry massive in the meat industry that's like straight up a fact um, but you you mean like because you're like say you're buying from in Australia there's a duopoly of 
um, major suppliers or major supermarkets. And if you're buying from that supermarket, then indirectly or directly you're supporting meat products. Is that what you mean? No, I think it was like, uh, it was something about like the manufacturing and shipping and stuff of like, Oh, like, like fake that eggs. environmental problem. Yeah. Like, like if you, if you buy like fake eggs and you, uh, or whatever plant-based eggs or whatever, and you like that, all that stuff has to be manufactured, manufactured and shipped. And there's like, an electrical like, cost, there's a, and, you know, there's a chemical it's, cost, yeah. whatever there is. There's also the environmental cost of shipping, especially a lot of these, you know, um, what would you call like specialty items aren't usually made in Australia. Like a lot of them are made overseas and then shipped over that costs more. And the argument then is I've, I've seen and I've read articles and I don't know how good the math is on them and how good the statistics are on them that have like done the math on, you know, um, eating food that's been transported over the world. Like a, a lot of, for example, in Australia, a lot of frozen berries are not made in Australia, are not made in Australia. Um, and instead they're made in, or not made, I guess they're, you know, cultivated in uh, Chile, I think. And then they're shipped, they're frozen and shipped to Australia in a, fr- in a shipping container, like a freezer. And how much of a, you know, effect that has on the environment is incredibly massive, right? Um, so yeah, I think there that is a problem. Uh, I, I think for a lot of the the best solution, right, is to make beef purely independent. And even then, like being independent, everyone being independent is not actually, you know, arguably is not energy efficient because when you're working on such large scales, you can make energy efficiencies and you can make everything be usable. That's why, like. You know, there's so many uses for a cow beyond its slaughter, right? Uh, they they find several uses for leather, several uses for the for the hooves. They use the leftover meat in pet food. Basically, nothing is going to waste in a, in a cow, really. Um, but there's a lot of food wastage in general in in um, in any industry. And when you work on the smaller scales, and I've talked to smaller farmers, that there is a massive problem with food wastage. Um, and food wastage, even in like, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, fruit, fruit, vegetables, they, even when they get to the actual grocery store, there's food wastage, even in that. Uh, so the math is actually very, very complicated. Um, you should be trying, and this is more or less viable for different people, depending on your living situation. And if you live in a house, there's an apartment, etc. be trying to cook, uh, I, when I, I've got a, a garden. And I've got the main stuff like tomatoes, cucumbers, chilies, um, beans, uh, eggplants. I think that's it. I missed anything else? I think that's it. And I've got like a bunch of spices and her- like herbs and stuff like that um, that are being made uh, that I'm cultivating. But that's possible because I have a really large backyard, and oh, I guess I have the mon- monetary, uh, you know, power to pay the water bill. That's going to be much higher if I didn't have that. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's why aren't you diverting water naturally from a, a nearby stream? Why are you using electrical power to pump water to your house? Well, I have a water tank that I use for the most of the part. But yes, there's definitely times what, what, where you have to use water, actual water. How, how do you where, where do you put the water tanks from? Do you do you walk to the local reservoir? reservoir no, no. I have a, lake like a water tank that come that brings all the water from my roof. Oh, really? That's rainwater. God damn it! Fuck. Every new building, my, my building isn't a new building, but every new building has to have a rainwater tank. 
God damn it! Is it? God damn it! Is that friendly? Secret friendly, Fuck. yeah. But but that's not to say I'm I'm 100 using that. I don't. I'd say I say on average every year I'm probably using that 50 or 60 percent of the time. Not 100. God damn it! Ads. Why are you using nitrogen fertilizer? Are you? Uh, maybe I am. I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> really using... use fertilizer that often. All right, cool. Yeah, just 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 like pee in your bushes every now and then. I feel like that that would work. Probably not. My, cat, my cats do that. do that for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The conclusion is it's a lot more complicated than just going full vegan, but I think yeah. overall, I, I think it's a net positive. All right. I think the math has said that there are ways to make it more positive and there are ways to make it less positive. Um, and one of those biggest ones is to buy very local, as local as you can. Like even, I don't mean just local to Australia because Australia is a massive country in and of itself, right? But to buy yeah. local to Australia as much as possible God, God damn it, Ads. Why are you using steel tools that, that require like excavation with mach- heavy machinery and, and uh, refining in fact and like for in foundries? No, I, I just use my hands. To... <laughs> oh, do you? That's why that's why I have such long nails. No, no, I don't. <laughs> so, so, some, sometimes I'm I can't be fucked and I just use my hands though. Okay. Can you get tools made of bone? Oh <laughs> bone. I'm I'm sh- I don't want to say I'm sure. But if you want to die and let me use your bones, nah. then that's okay, cool. not my bones. <laughs> if you want to be like purely eco-friendly, I think you gotta like take two rocks and use the harder rock to chip off the softer rock, and like just chip it. You, know, you gotta make Neolithic tools, basically. Like you gotta yeah. attach like, okay. a, a, okay. a rock, a, a rock Carb- to a, a twig. Carbon fiber shovels are so lit, and I don't think I could go back to non-carbon. <laughs> even even wood. Like when I, when I when I'm on the work site, we usually have like two. When I used to work on a work site, Dude, we used to have two. Fi- two um, the carbon fibers are like fucking carbon in the, in its own fucking name. The carbon footprint on that shit's got to be like off the massive. Roof, man. I don't know what it is, but anyways, <laughs> there's usually like two or three uh, shovels, and I always yeah. make it a point to get the carbon fiber one because it's so light and so easy to use. I love it. All right, because the metal, the other ones that are like made of steel and wood, they they suck. All right. Well, we're gonna call like a scientist to, to like look at your gardening, and and we're gonna do like a real analysis a numbers, on, on, yeah. on, on, on your net your environmental impact. Like we're we're gonna see we're we're gonna see how that shit works. Yeah, well, let's do it. <laughs> Although you 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 did get me with that rainwater farming. Like what the fuck, man? That's not popular in America. I don't I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't garden. You don't live in a you also live in a palm I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I live in the city, so. Of all the things you know about America, do you think that's popular in America? <laughs> no, but I meant in like the suburbs. Uh, obviously, that's not big in America. Hey, 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 Keith literally lives in a city that shouldn't be a city. It was a desert. <laughs> they decided to divert water and make it a city. That's, that's where Keith lives. Like, he lives yes. in a place where human beings should not live. Yeah, man, it's lit. <laughs> human beings have always lived in the desert. So good. Yeah, but, but not not like not like 1.5 million of them because like, they decided to like just pump the water over there. You just got to travel a lot. Other than that, <laughs> exactly. All right, let's let's wrap up, I guess. Yeah, let's let's, let's do some recommendations. Wax go first. Uh, okay. Um. So I'm just gonna go with uh something we we're talking about in the chat the other day. We we're talking about James Bond opening songs, and I feel like this is from a movie that was the movie sucked, but the opening song was good. What movie? It's Cheryl Crow. Uh, the well. All of the Bond songs are named after the movies. Like they don't have different titles. So this is Tomorrow Never Dies. This is Pierce Brosnan's second movie, which was like it was okay. It's not the worst one. It's not great. Golden Eyes is the best one. 
and they all go downhill. They all go downhill from there. Tomorrow Never Dies, the second one. It's it's all right. It's it's no great shakes. Don't don't watch it. But the song's pretty good. The opening song's pretty solid. So it's Cheryl Crow, Tomorrow Never Dies. It's just a solid pop ballad, basically. That's all I'll say. That's what a James Bond song's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. It does its job. Yeah. All right. My, I'll go next. My song is Katsute by Ego Rapping, which is a Japanese jazz band slash neo-soul band. Um, and it's from the, I want to say second or third album. It's a great album, especially if you like uh, jazz music. It's really, it's really a good, uh, good song, and it's got great lyric, uh, not great lyrics, but great singing and great instrumentation. It's got everything that a uh, that a jazz, um, a modern jazz song has to have. It's called Ego. Uh, it's called Katsute by Ego Rappin. And my song, uh, because I was watching a stream recently that uh we were we were listening to some some early 2000s late 90s music it came up that either miss yelliot or lauren hill uh were the top female rapper of all time and but because we were listening to so much miss yelliot because of that uh my song is work it by miss yelliot uh a banger from I don't know, 2002 or something like that, somewhere around there. One of my favorite songs by her of of several of her of her hits, um, Miss Yelid and Temlinio, amazing duo. Yeah, legendary, right. legend of the rap game. All right, sounds good. Ads, send us home. Send us home. I'm gonna send you guys home with another plug because really we do need money to send this scientist over to my house to make a statistical analysis of the amount of uh, carbon dioxide I'm emitting into the environment. And to do that, you can go to ko-fi.com slash thejujus. But it's okay if you're just listening to us talk about shit, literally and figuratively. We do talk a lot a lot about shit and bums, to be honest. This week, we kind of talked about shit in terms of um, manure. Next week, Wax will definitely find some content about assholes I'm, I'm sure and if you want to do that catch us again next week because we're coming here every week somehow we've done this every week for what has been 62 weeks we're going for week 63 next week uh so thank you for listening and we'll catch you guys next week